Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. My name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series, The Life. And this is program number 25 in that series called The Foreshadowing of the Cross. It's going to be very interesting, and I'm excited to get to it before we Start, Susan, would you pray for us, please? Yes, our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to come and talk about your goodness, because your goodness is really the only true goodness there is in this in this world and in our life um, beyond this world. And so we ask that you help us to dwell upon that and to, um, to be settled into um, the knowledge that we have about you and to help each and every one of us to draw closer to you each and every day, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know what's interesting? I was just, and I'm kind of springing this on Rich, but I was listening to the opener as it was being played, and um, that's a song that you wrote called... Mm-hmm. Do I. Do I, and it's Do I Love My Neighbor, and it was interesting because um, it you wrote it about a time, you know, everybody goes through different um, experiences in their Christian um, life, mm-hmm. and... Um, it, I don't know. It was just really interesting. We had, we had, um, you know, we were drug addicts before, had absolutely no knowledge of God. Then we come into a somewhat knowledge of God and we continue to grow and grow and grow. And then we think that you have a lot of knowledge of God, but then God kind of taps you on the shoulder once again and says, Oh, wait a minute. He's, um, let me ask you a simple question, Rich. Do you love your neighbor? Right. So this first, so the first question when we were getting clean and sober was, um, you know, do you want to live? Yeah. And um, do you trust me? And then, um, so if if we're if we're real honest with ourselves, and if we are tuned into um, God and a, have a really living relationship with Him, we'll recognize the times that He's speaking in our lives to us. I guess it's through the conscience, maybe, uh-huh. yeah. and through circumstances. Yeah, you know, and um, what you're saying there uh, um, resonates with me because what we're going to talk about today. Um, it's about having expectations from God, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, as you get to know him, mm-hmm. as I get to know you, there are certain things that you know about that me. I can expect, <laughs> you know, right. I say something, I know what I'm going to get if I say it. Right. right? And so the Let, more I know you, the, the yeah, okay. but let's stop and let's make it really clear. A lot of times Rich and I will joke about, um, the relationship we have and everything, but um, the reality is, is that um, I don't know of any other relationship, except for maybe my mom and dad's, that that isn't more loving and more um, um, uh, more concerned about each other 
than our relationship. Do you know what I mean? That's so, very nice of you to yeah, say. Yeah, so I just want everybody to know <laughs> that even though we joke, it's um, it's a very loving relationship. Thank you. <laughs> she said it on the radio, too. Um, now it's recorded. Yeah, now it's recorded for everyone to hear throughout history. Um, okay, so, yeah, but what we are going to talk about is having expectations because, you know, you go through. I mean, it wasn't till 20, 21 years into my recovery that God asked me that Which is question. Like now. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you love your neighbor? Right. I mean, I know you've been reading the Bible. You know this verse, that verse. You can, you know, quote teach it inside and, and out. And you can church. teach a class. You can this and that. But the question I have for you is, do you love your neighbor? Right. And that thing hit home. Right. And so that's when I realized that I had some expectations that weren't quite prioritized with God. And see, that's what the, the dilemma Jesus has is he came to fulfill a mission of which nobody on this planet understood. Mm-hmm. They had him do, you know, they they figured he was going to do this or he was going to do this. He was going to do this for me or this for me or this for me. And in fact, let's talk a little bit about because as we go through, we're going to talk about the expectations they had and wh- the dilemma that Jesus has being God, convincing people that had had other expectations of him. Mm-hmm. That he was God. Right. You know, that's hard to do when somebody's looking through the wrong lens. They've got a picture already made up, mm-hmm. and you're trying to convince them your picture's wrong. How right. do you do that? Right. See? And so the, uh, what we're going to talk about today is based in Matthew 16 and Mark chapter 8 and Luke chapter 9. Because, and let's step back a little bit. The work of Jesus is coming to a close, right? And so we're going to ask the question before we... Uh, get rolling. Who is Jesus? He's wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. Even before he took on humanity, he saw the whole length of the path that he was going to have to travel in order to save this lost planet. He saw every insult that he was going to endure. He saw every hardship that he was going to be called to go through. Everything was open laid open before his view, and he lays down his crown, he lays down his royal robe, and he steps down from the throne to clothe that divinity with humanity. And he knows exactly what he's got to do when he leaves heaven, and he's going to come here, and it's going to be... Um, and, and So he sees everything he's got to go through. Right, from the path, um, the path from the manger to Calvary was all before his eyes. And he he knew he would experience that anguish. He knew it all, and yet he said, "Lo, I come in the book, in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do Thy will, O God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart." And that is Psalms forty-seven. And so, by giving his life for humanity, he'd win back the world to loyalty to God. So that begs the question: Why is this world not loyal to God? Why can't he trust us? Well, it's very simple, because we don't trust him. What does trust require? Do I trust Susan more now or when I first met her? What what say, Susan? What do you think? Do I trust you more now or when I first met you? I would think, yes, that you trust me more now. Why? Because we know each other more, we've spent more time together, we've grown closer, we have the same goals and the same aspirations, we understand each other, we communicate to one another, we have a relationship with one another. 
So, so we always say, especially when we're working with people, one of the biggest dangers when they're let down mm-hmm. is they always what expect more out of someone than that person has to give. Right. 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 And so, by knowing someone, you know what to expect out of them. Right. 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 And so, by knowing God, I, I can know. Okay. I, my mission with him is not to pray for pink Cadillacs and a smooth ride. Right. And I think somewhere in the Bible it says, um, I can't remember what, what verse it is, but it talks about that um, salvation is knowing God. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. remember where it's yeah. at. But to know him yes. and him who he sent. Right. Yeah. That's eternal life is to know yes. God. Eternal life is to know God and him who, who he, he sent. sent. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's so, and trust requires trust. You can't trust someone if you don't know him. So, why do we choose to love him? Well, because he first loved us. Yet for the joy that was set before him, he chose to endure the cross and to reveal to us who he really was. Right. And I think probably the biggest reasons that we don't trust God is because we've made him out to be a monster. I, and I, I, I don't even think that we, we realize we're doing that. Right. Because one of the biggest myths is that Jesus died to appease God's wrath. Right. It, it, and we have to have somebody. We have to have somebody die in order for God to say, "Okay, my justice, my my justice is now um, uh, satisfied. I have the blood of of my perfect son. That in exchange for the sin of the world, okay, that everything's the, the meted scales out. are yeah, balanced. The scales are balanced. Yeah, and 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 that's that's pagan, right? To offer appeasement to an angry God is pagan. He died to appease our wrath. Right, we're the angry ones. Right. Look on an. We're insur- the one that's 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 uh, has been, um, um, you know, that has forsaken God. Yeah, well, look. I mean, when 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 someone dies of cancer, who do you shake your fist at and blame? Or when there's a natural disaster. When there's a disaster on the insurance form, mm-hmm. what's it called? An act of God. Right. We go to the book of Job. Who caused the storm? Who brought the Sabians in? It was Satan. Right. Not God. Right. See, and, and these are illustrations as you go. When Jesus was in the boat, who brought the storm and who calmed it? Right. See, God, God is blamed for all of these things. We chose the devil mm-hmm. to run this planet. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be reconciled back to God. Well, and I think, I think we can go back to the whole thing. It's like, um, it's like we have to change God. So we're the ones that sin. Sin causes damage in our brains, but we expect we have to do something in order to, to change, change God, God so that God will accept no, us. And we're the ones that are angry. Right. We're the ones that are We're the problem, not we're God. We're the ones that need to be changed, not God. For, right. For, so, so we need to be changed from angry, fearful children to kind, God-like people, not God. God loved us, and he gave his son. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right. You know? And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. You're doing a good enough job of that yourself. Right. And and God didn't put Jesus on the cross. Satan did. Remember that Jesus said that his time had come um, for me to be betrayed into the hands of sinful, sinful men. men. Right. Who were possessed by who? Satan. Satan. See, right. who betrayed him, God? No. no. Judas, the son of perdition. He didn't die to pay God off. He died to win us back and to shut Satan's mouth about God being vengeful, severe, arbitrary, and all those things 
that we categorize him. He's on the cross. He says, I forgive you. I forgive you. He didn't retaliate. He tried to show we're on a dangerous when, planet because we chose the wrong leader. Right. And the one being besides God and the Holy Spirit, I guess they're co-equal in, in their power, but the one the one being here and as a human being who had all the power that could do anything, and he died on the cross and said, forgive them. And let me and go on further. I'll wash my betrayer's feet before I go. Right, there. in an effort to win his heart back to me. Right, right. He, it's un, it's mind-boggling when, so, right, what so, God did to appease our wrath. Right. So when you take off a, a pair of glasses and you, um, say you say you're you're um, nearsighted and you can't see things far away. So if you take off a prescription pair of clear glasses and then you put on a prescription pair of sunglasses, it's like a it's like a definition of things that comes in. So you're able to see things, quote unquote, in a different light. Yeah. And I think that that's the whole purpose of why Jesus had to come was because this world was seeing God in the wrong in light. The wrong light. And we continue to see him in the wrong light. And the whole um, thing is we're, you know, as this world continues to get wicked, more wicketer, with our job as Christians and believers in God are to be able to represent him in that correct light. Right. He came to clarify the Ten Commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Right. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill. You're not going to steal. You're not going to take his wife. You're not going to bear false witness. You're not even going to want to bear false witness. And so he came to clarify all that. He came to clear a lot of misconceptions up about God. Right. And uh, we. And so what he's doing now, he's, he's it, it, before he goes to the cross, he's having to let he's having to try to clear those misconceptions up of why he's right gonna... at, the, at the last minute because at that time the disciples were going to be crushed real soon right. right and they were going to see him the one who they had loved and trusted be delivered into the hands of his enemies and then hung on the cross and Jesus was to leave them to face the world without any comfort from his visible presence he knew how bitter hateful people would persecute them and he wanted them to be prepared for the trial right. So now he's got to clear up their misconceptions about him, and then he's got to he's got to and and uh, what what his mission is and what their mission is because they right. were still confused. They thought they it, were still going to get victory over the Romans bet. and get back the glory that they had lost. You bet. What what happens? What are we going to do when feel it feels like in the end here that God has forsaken us? Right. You know. That we were good little boys and girls, and come the, you know, and then all all of a sudden it breaks loose and we're persecuted. Well, Where's and, God at? If it doesn't feel like He's here, and and I know that uh, that that can happen, um, just in in our daily walk as Christians as well. We can be afflicted by an illness, yeah. or something that's out of our control, and then we say, God, why why has this happened? Mm-hmm. And God said, God, I think is trying to tell us, I can't save you from the harm, but I will with be with you through right. the harm right. uh, that that comes to you. Right, and we've talked about it before. Why does He allow people to harm other people? Well, where does it end when He starts taking away people's freedoms? Right. See, like I say, this planet has chose the wrong leader, and this is an illustration not only to us to watch, but the rest of the universe. Remember. The devil's, Satan's tail drew one-third of the stars out of heaven and cast them to earth. Mm-hmm. Book of Revelation. There's one-third of the most brilliant beings that God ever created 
got duped mm-hmm. by the enemy mm-hmm. that selfishness and living for self was better than serving others. Right. And they're down here now wreaking havoc. And so, so God has got to illustrate. He didn't come here to make it all smooth for us. He came here to show us what sin does. Right. What it really does to a human being. So Jesus had taken the disciples away from that um, controlling influence of Judaism, and he brought them into, he actually brought them around away from, from Jerusalem and Judah into, and, and, and let them look at some pagan worship and superstition and all the, the weird stuff that was going on uh, so that he could, so that they could get a good look at that and maybe they would feel more responsible that they needed to tell people about Jesus. You know, right. when you see people living in, in, I mean, that's what we do when we go to the prison and we see people living in, in misery and they're trying to figure out, you know, why, why am I doing, why do I keep landing back here? And well, we have some news. We don't want you to live like that. And God especially doesn't want you to live like that. Right. And so there's nothing more refreshing to see than to see a heart change mm-hmm. and turn to God in his way. Absolutely. And, you know, with the disciples, he was trying to tell them of the suffering that he was going to go through. But first, he went away alone and prayed that their hearts would be prepared to receive his words. Then he asked, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? Okay. And at that point in time, the disciples had to, to kind of acknowledge that basically God's own people, Israel, had, had failed to recognize Jesus as their Messiah. Some, but not many, saw his miracles and announced that he was the son of David. But most of them didn't believe that he was the Messiah. They had other expectations. Now Jesus asked that second question relating, of course, to the disciples themselves. But whom do you say that I am? And, of course, Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, Son of the living God. Right. From the first, Peter had believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and many others who had been convinced by um, the preaching of John the Baptist had accepted Jesus but began to doubt when John was in prison and put into death. And now they doubted that Jesus was the Messiah. Yes. And it's the same thing in our lives, right? We can um, uh, we can get clean and sober and we can, you know, everything's brand new, but then boom, some tragedy happens and we say, but God, you're supposed to protect us from from the bad things in this world. Yeah, think about how that shook everything up when John the Baptist, when Jesus didn't come to John the Baptist's rescue or, you know, when he waited for Lazarus, you know, man, you could have fixed this. You could have fixed this. We don't see God's purposes in the big picture, so we want what we want fixed right now. They wanted what they wanted fixed. They wanted the Romans dealt with. Right, and so that's interesting. It's like so God's ways are are that always that bigger picture and the overall. No one really can see as human beings. We can't see the overall parade. We just want what's right in front of us right. for that moment at that time. God do this and mm-hmm. take care of this, regardless right. of anything in the future or the past. Or you know, I just I just need you to do this for me. Mm-hmm. And God's saying, but I have a bigger picture out there. I'm, I'm managing, you know. Yeah. What does it talk about in Ezekiel? He's got a wheel within yes, a wheel. wheel yeah, I, exactly. I got, at any given time, I got seven billion people I'm dealing with right now, and so, right, you know, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on. So many of the disciples. This is what he's Jesus has got to 
kind of deal with now is they're really enthusiastic about Jesus taking the taking David's throne and and you know ruling as a king and um, they're let down when they realize he has no no intention to do that. Right. So um, the thing is, is that Peter and his companions did stay true. The, the vacillations of those who praised Jesus yesterday and then condemned him today didn't destroy the faith of the true followers of Jesus. Peter declared, you are the, the Son of God. You are the Son of the living God. Peter accepted Jesus not as a forceful king. He accepted him in his humiliation. And you know what he went through. Yeah, that was after that. everything, right? Yeah, he says no. First, Peter really says, "No God it, of mine's right? going to hang on a cross." And Jesus says, "Well, that's what I came to do." And it, then, and then he denied him. Yeah, and then he denied him. So, so you know, and and, and he, light comes in stages, mm-hmm. and it, you're not going to pick it all up at once. Peter, and the, at once, Peter and the disciples were. Still far from understanding Jesus's mission, you know the opposition and the misrepresentation—excuse me, misrepresentation of the priests and the rulers. Um, well, it didn't turn them away from Christ. It still caused them a great deal of perplexity, and they didn't see their way real clearly. They're trying to figure it out, right? And so, I just want to make one point about that. When we're—that's um, why um, the Bible warns us to be careful about our avenues of our soul, because what comes into our minds, whether we think about it or not, what well, we are influenced mm-hmm. by who we hang around with and the things that we listen to, mm-hmm. and the things that come in. And so we just have to be real careful because it influences us even um, in a um, passive way. Mm-hmm. Um, the influence of the early training with the teaching of the rabbis, the power of tradition was still interu- interrupted their view of the truth. From time to time, rays of light from Jesus would shine upon them, yet often they were like men groping in the shower, shout, shadows. But before they were brought face to face with the great trial of faith, the Holy Spirit rested upon them in power. Yeah, and, and every you know every now and again, and I think we all go through this that that you you get glimpses of light, and then all of a sudden you feel like you're really far away from God. Then you you go to a mountaintop again, and and then you come down. And so for times their eyes they're turned away, but but then all of a sudden they see the things which are not seen. Second Corinthians four eighteen. And beneath that guise of humanity, they see the Son of God. They get glimpses and they say, okay, now we're starting to get it. And, and I think that that's what God calls us to do in our relationship with him, is to continue to study and continue to see how he treated people so that we can have a better understanding, so that the Holy Spirit can truly get beyond all of our preconceived ideas, so that we can understand the true character of God, so that our expectations are in line. In line with reality, with what God is able to do and what he's not able to do, what he, what he can do, and, and, and so that our expectations— Yeah, it's um, all about— So we're steady in yeah. our relationship. You know, there's a, there's a friend of mine that texts me every morning something. His name is Ron. I won't say his last name, but uh, just a brother in Christ. And he texts me in, a message every morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, this morning he texted about— that the the spirit of God, that you know, it, the way we accept it is either going to harden our hearts or soften our hearts, and a lot of that is based on expectations. Remember, Pharaoh, God sent the same plagues to Pharaoh, and then and the 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 plagues hardened 
Pharaoh's heart. Right. However, when God sent things, let's say, to Nate, what was it, the guy that got the leprosy? Yes. Nahum? 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 Yeah, I think it was Nahum. Yeah, so he's got the leprosy, and what did it do to him? It softened him so he could go in the, go in the river and bathe the three times. The little girl told him, right? Yeah, and, he's and, he like, d- and he did it, and it softened his heart, and he came out clean. See, so it's not the trial. It's right. not the Holy it's Spirit's the heart. heart. It's our response, right. our response to it. The, our heart is the problem. Right. And our expectations from God are the problem. Right. And, and no matter what happens, we can either be hardened or softened by what happens to us. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up again, folks. We thank you for listening. Uh, visit our website, justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. I love my Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.